What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back in the video. A relatively quiet week for the waiver wire. There are some decent names at the top, but not a whole lot of players that we're spending more than like four or five percent of our fab on, more than like, you know, that like three, four, five, six overall claim. Top player in my eyes is Darrell Henderson. He should have been added in most competitive leagues on Saturday once it was announced that he and Freeman would be the lead backs. I personally thought Freeman would get more opportunities, but it was Henderson handling 18 carries and then one reception on one target compared to 12 carries for Freeman, no targets at all. I did think Freeman would get more work in the receiving game. Uh, Freeman did end up gaining the exact same number of yards on seven fewer touches, so could things shift in the future? Maybe but it was also Henderson who got the goal line carry. So if we're thinking about this in the future, Henderson got more touches. He got the target. He got the goal line carry. He's the one you should go after in fantasy this week, though. I think both of them need to be rostered because clearly they trusted them at least a little bit. It's it's weird, right? You would have thought, especially in the game script, they lost, right? It wasn't like they were doing amazingly in the ground either but they decided not to go with things through the air and to lean on these running backs that weren't even on the team maybe not shocking that they lost the game but the point is they clearly trusted them I guess to some degree and so we have to think they're not going to all of a sudden be like oh, okay Zach Evans someone who was not a very highly rated prospect someone they've never talked about uh positively really at any point this season they're probably not going to go with him. So it's going to be these two until Kyron returns. Kyron's got a few more weeks that he's going to be out. And so you've got two running backs that are going to get a decent amount of touches moving forward, at least in the short term. They're both worth spending claims on. Um, I would say Henderson, around 10 to 12% of your fab. It really depends on your league, your situation. You really need running back, bump it up. You don't really need running back, bump it down. Uh, Freeman closer to that like 5 or 6% range. Uh, again, they're not long-term options, more short-term, but Kyron's going to be an IR for at least three more weeks. And so you've got, you know, two running backs that are going to get touches for three more weeks. Another top running back claim is uh, Amari DiMercato. Uh, he overtook Ingram last week. Ingram never proved to be a good running back. Um, but DiMercato's looked pretty good when he's gotten the touches. It was a really difficult matchup as well, but he still handled 13 carries. He commanded five targets, only one other total opportunity, so carry plus target for all other running backs on the roster. So he had a huge percent share of the opportunity. And again, wasn't terrible in a brutal matchup. So we'll see how he does moving forward. Um, James Conner's still in the IR, not for too much longer, but until James Conner returns, DiMercato is going to have some value here. Unfortunately, another brutal match against the Ravens this week, but even factoring in the matchup, right now he's my running back 29, so he's got value right now. Maybe you don't need it as much in a week with no buys, but you know anyone who's got the running back 29 right now, like that needs to be rostered. Uh, behind DiMercato, I would say it's Kareem Hunt. Jerome Ford's expected to miss one to two weeks right now with the ankle injury. Kind of don't know exactly how long it's going to be. Um, so it's going to be Hunt. It's going to be Pierre Strong as the two lead backs. They have an awful matchup this week at Seattle. Uh, but then they have a whole matchup after that with the Cardinals. And so, you know, terrible matchup. Then a really good one. Kind of evens out there. Um, Hunt was also seeing goal line work even with Jerome Ford healthy it wasn't like Ford was a featured running back and so he's still going to have a role when Ford returns I would say for Pierre Strong it's like you know short term he's that running back too 
once Ford returns, Pierre Strong's going to go back to like not really being involved at all. I kind of hope that they do give uh, Pierre Strong a few touches, a few more touches. He's looked good whenever he's been used, just like when he was in New England, now with Cleveland, they, they've never really given him a full opportunity. Uh, so I would throw like 1% or 2% of your fab on Strong if you have that spot, you want to take a shot there, because uh, maybe he does produce well uh, when Jerome Ford comes back. They're like, okay, let's mix in Pierre Strong. I think it's a pretty low likelihood outcome though, so 1% or 2% at most. And then Hunt like should just be rostered in all formats. I'd say it's that same 10% range for Hunt as Henderson, as DiMercato, uh, and all of them would be worth like a top three claim. If you wanted to spend a number one claim on Henderson because you needed running back, you didn't see an opportunity in the future to really use that spot, I think I'm fine doing that. But I would say a top three claim for all three of those is fine. After all the names I just mentioned, uh, you've got Dante Foreman, Jill McLaughlin, Devin Singletary, Latavius Murray, and then Tajay Spears. All are worth around 1% to 3% of your fab, again, depending on situation and league size, maybe that like 5 through 7 claim. None of them are players I'd be like really going all in on, spending a lot to get. Uh, Foreman would be the one people would consider doing that for. But remember, last week was mostly touchdowns. Like He still did look really good on the ground, but most of that production was with three touchdowns. That's not going to happen most week for any Bears running back. But he also only played 46% of the snaps last week. Khalil Herbert will be off IR soon. You have to imagine Roshan will be back in concussion soon. Like, that's tricky because you just can't know. It's not like an ankle sprain or hamstring where you're like, okay, it's a two- or three-week injury for, like, this one, a four- to six-week one for this one, one week for this. Like, it's a concussion. It could literally be any sort of timeline. Typically, though, he would have returned last week, so maybe it's more major. Uh, but usually, he'd be returning now, so kind of watch practice reports there. I think the point is there's multiple running backs that can return relatively soon, and it's the Bears. Like, they won this week because they're playing the Raiders, but they're not going to win most weeks, especially while Fields remains out. And so, you know, he's the best of the ones I just mentioned, but I'm not going after him with, like, a ton of fab because he's not going to drop over 30 fantasy points a lot more times in the future, probably any more times in the future. Uh, then the other four are mostly just handcuffs. Um, none of them have a very good shot of overtaking the starter without an injury, but you know all four of them do have a decent amount of upside. If there is, is an injury, again, McLaughlin, Singletary, Latavius Murray, Tajay Spears. I would say McLaughlin probably has like the best chance of winning that starting job. But even with him, you know, right now it's not even a two running back committee; it's a three running back committee. So all of those names need to be left on benches. They are not players you can just go out and start this week. But all have some level of upside. Pick the one you really want. Uh, whoever, honestly, whoever you feel like has the best chance of becoming the starter. But since it's mostly injury related, it's kind of just a shot in the dark there. At wide receiver, there are very few options this week. Top ones in my eyes are Josh Downs and Rasheed Rice, both of whom uh, we've been over a decent amount in this video, in the start sits videos this season. So I would assume that if you're in a league where they've been on free agency, it means you're never going to pick them up because you have such a good team because we've been over them every single week. So they probably shouldn't just remain on free agency if you wanted them. Uh, Rasheed Rice is very slowly getting more opportunity. Uh, we talked in week two about how, you know, even watching in week one an eliminated snap share, he was so clearly their best wide receiver. That's played out basically every single week since then. Like he's the best wide receiver on this team. Um, doesn't mean he's going to go up and have like a 9% snap share at any point this season, but he's the one you want um, 
he shouldn't be in free agency anywhere. And then Downs, um, not going to say a similar story because obviously Pittman's their one. But it's been really nice that he's been utilized in all areas of the field. He had, you know, work in the red zone before. He's had work deep downfield. He does mostly operate in that short area, um, I would say within like 15 yards. So I guess short to intermediate, but most of his targets are pretty close to the line of scrimmage. But we've seen now multiple big plays from him. He had the 60-yard touchdown this week. Uh, it was maybe like three weeks ago. He had a really long play as well. And so he can still get it going deep downfield. Played a really good defense. They played the Browns this week, which is not a matchup you expected him to produce well in. It is fair to point out that, you know, 60% of his fantasy points this last week came on that one reception, right? Take out that one reception, take out Pittman's like 75-yard reception. Like for the most part, these two still didn't do very much against the Browns last week, but they still have really good target shares. Uh, Minshew is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, so we're not too concerned about that. And honestly, for a, a rookie, I mean, he's playing really well. He's got a very strong target share. We're in the first half of the season. Rookies typically break out in the second half. Like, we should be expecting a breakout from both Rasheed Rice and Downs in the second half of the season. Both should be rostered. Behind those two, it's just two flyers. Uh, if you want to take a shot on Marvin Mims and Mario Douglas, uh, both are worth rostering. Uh, the Broncos are clearly trying to trade Judy. That's why they're playing him so much. Um, he's been terrible, and so they haven't been able to trade him. Uh, but Mims is not going to see his snaps go up until Judy is traded. Um, but if he is traded, obviously, they'll probably still find a way to not give him a ton of snaps. But you'd have to think at that point. Like right now, they're just trying to showcase Jerry Judy. So we can't expect Mims to do anything. When they finally are able to trade him away, Mims will have a higher snap share. He's going to do a lot better on a good snap share. Uh, but again, just a stash right now. And then Douglas, honestly, he's been like the best wide receiver. I guess you could probably say that Kendrick Bourne has been better. But Bourne and Douglas have been the Patriots' two best wide receivers this season. A lot of camp hype for Douglas uh, when he's been healthy. He's looked really good. They've just never really given him you know, like a full complement of snaps. Then he had the injury kind of the last few weeks. Um, but no Patriots wide receiver has enough consistent upside to be like, definitely going to start you. Because Bourne's had his week. Uh, Douglas has, you know, looked good last week. Uh, we've had Devonta Parker weeks, maybe not this season, but in the past. And it's been very sporadic for the Patriots. So not someone that you're probably going to start in an 8 or a 10-team league. Probably not even a 12-team league. Uh, but he is coming off a 62% snap share. And with the game on the line last week, uh, they drew up two consecutive plays specifically designed to get Douglas the ball inside the 10-yard line. One of those drew a defensive pass interference. Uh, that set up the game-winning touchdown for Mike Gusecki. But they clearly trust him. And for how bad their wide receiver core is, I could see a world where he gets up to like a 70% snap share. He's a consistent player that's getting you like six or seven targets a week, uh, maybe like five and worse matchups, seven and better matchups, uh, but in that five to seven range and in a full PPR format in a 12, 14, 16 team league, that's worth rostering for sure. Uh, just know, again, the upside isn't great. At tight end, um, pretty much the same as always, look at the rookies. Uh, I would say Dawson Knox, him having wrist surgery right now, no timeline yet, but you have to imagine he's going to miss some time. And so that's really going to open things up for Dalton Kincaid. Was really good this last week. He's had a very, very, very low dot role. Could we see that shift a little bit? Maybe. But I would just say 
given the you know general trajectory of rookie tight ends, how they do not start fast. He still had a very good start to his career. Second half is where he should expect that breakout. And if Knox is going to miss time and this Bills offense can start clicking, a lot of weekly upside, I would say for right now, uh, Kincaid is a must start at this point, and he could be for the rest of the season, have to be putting in a claim for that. And then Michael Mayer, we did not start him last week. I said, keep an eye on the role, but don't put him in starting lineups yet. Uh, see if the role keeps expanding. It did to some degree. If you look at the total snaps, they were down, but he played 92% of non-blowout snaps. So that was an improvement over week six. He's very clearly someone they want to get involved in this offense. Again, not starting him yet. Maybe he's someone where we're not starting at this season at all, even in the second half, and it kind of comes next year. But I think there's still a chance where he could start commanding, you know, around five to six targets every week. And at the tight end position, if this offense, you know, at least starts to get rolling a little bit, five to six targets from a very high-end prospect will be worth starting in like deeper formats. So Again, not 8 and 10 team leagues, but 12 and on, I think he's worth stashing. At quarterback, uh, we've got two streaming options and then one stash. Kyler is the stash. Um, He's going to be returning soon. Don't know when, but probably in the next few weeks. I am less bullish on him than many others since the Cardinals still don't have that many elite skill players. And I highly doubt when he does return, they're calling very many design runs for him. So he's going to be more of a pocket passer would be my guess. I just don't see how they risk it and call a bunch of design runs for him. Like that just wouldn't make any sense. And that's not really his area as being a pocket passer. He's also been out for a while. He's just returning. And so I don't really see him being a high-end starter, but I recognize the upside is there. If I'm wrong and they give him design looks and he looks good, he certainly has more upside than any other quarterback in free agency. So if you have a spot and you can stash him, I would. Um, if you're looking for streaming options this week, because I don't think Kyler's going to play this week, it's CJ Strout at the Panthers. Desmond Ritter at the Titans. Stroud has been awesome this season. Faces a Panthers defense that is a plus matchup in terms of fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, completion percentage over um, like that league average rate, and then yards per reception compared to league average rate as well. Then Desmond Ritter is going to look gross for sure. But on two separate occasions, he was honestly like millimeters away from a touchdown. We had Drake London going down at literally like the millimeter yard line and then them fumbling on the next play. And then Desmond Ritter should have had a walk-in touchdown, fumbles the ball into the end zone. So very, very unfortunate. If you add two touchdowns to performance last week, it looks a lot better. This week, face the Titans defense, that is a 3% boost to yards per reception, a 10% boost to completion percentage, and they stuff opponents on the ground, forcing teams into elevated pass rate. So good matchup for quarterbacks, good matchup for wide receivers. If, especially, the Titans can get up, the Falcons fall behind, we could see a really good game from both Ritter and, you know, Pitts, London, and Janu. Um, Most of you probably don't need to go there again. This is a week with zero buys, but he's an option if you need it. Then finally, we've got four streaming defense options this week. Jets at Giants, probably the best among the streaming options. Um, I have the Jets projected for over four sacks this week. That is the second most behind the Eagles, who set up really, really well. Eagles playing uh, Sam Howell, who's set to like shatter the sacks record, plus the Eagles have a good pass rush. That could be an ugly game. Um, then we've got Chiefs at Broncos. It doesn't grade out as like some smash matchup, 
but Chiefs still projected for three sacks. That's six most on the week, and they have a really strong defense. We know that the Broncos could fall apart at any point if they do fall apart. The Chiefs are a team that can capitalize a lot off of that. Uh, Lions versus the Raiders, not going to look good after Denver got embarrassed by the Ravens, but you could see them come in really upset in this matchup, really take it out on a very inferior Raiders team. Uh, also, again, you know, like the Raiders on offense are significantly worse than the the Ravens. And so even if that hadn't happened last week, this is still a spot where Denver should destroy them uh, on defense for Denver, offense for the Raiders. It's a great spot for potential turnovers, sacks, really good matchup there. And then Dolphins versus the Patriots. Mac Jones actually played really well last week, probably his best game of the season, but he is fully capable of falling apart at any time. And when he falls apart, it's a lot uglier than a lot of other teams because if his receivers can't get open, he forces some mistakes that are horrific, can lead to defensive touchdowns a lot of the time. So that's how the week eight waiver wire is looking right now. I'll be back tomorrow with my top trade targets for week eight. Then Thursday for a full game-by-game -game breakdown. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of that. That'll do it for this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button? How about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.